Welcome to Women on Wealth, a podcast by women for women. Our mission is to empower women to embrace the discussion around wealth, demystify finance and market-related topics, and break down the emotions that surround these decisions. Your host is Julina Ogilvy, Partner and Wealth Advisor with Principal Wealth Partners. She is a certified private wealth advisor and a certified investment management analyst with over 25 years of industry experience. Welcome, everyone, to Women on Wealth. Uh, I am joined today by Julie Gillespie, who is a CPA with Simeon, Maca, and Laro in Connecticut. Julie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for Uh, having me. Now, I know people don't get really excited about the conversation around taxes. Uh, However, I asked her to join today for two reasons. Number one, I seem to hear all the time from not only clients, but just individuals in general that we're, we're paying more in taxes. Why is my tax bill getting higher and higher every year, Julie? I'm sure you're hearing the same thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to start on a negative tone is, is if you look historically at our tax rate in the United States going all the way back to the 1920s, we are actually not at our highest level of taxes. So the potential for taxes to go higher from here, especially when you look at the debt and the conversation that we're having around our U.S. debt, It's possible. So taxes could go higher. Uh, And then number two is the tax code is constantly changing, right? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) I will attest to that. (laughs) Yeah. So we wanted to have this conversation. And and the idea today is to really talk about eight ways to create more tax efficiency in your investments, in your tax profile, et cetera. So so Julie, before we get into that, can you just share with the with the audience, you know, who you are and and how you became an accountant? Because I know when you first became an accountant, there were not a lot of women. That's right. There were not. Yeah. When I first got into the industry, there were very few women. Uh now, uh, I want to say it's many, many more women. Good. Uh maybe half and half. I'm not really sure the actual statistic, but yeah, yeah. there's many more. Yeah. So how did how did you embark on this journey? Yeah, so I chose accounting um, in college because I took a bookkeeping class in high school and I really loved it. Wow. And then I also took a business class called DECA and it focused on business management, entrepreneurship, marketing, and those types of financial literacy. Mm. And... Um, I knew that I wanted to do something with business and I excelled in it. So there you go. I went to University of Connecticut, majored in accounting, received my CPA certificate, my my license. And I began working as an intern actually in, um, well, I won't say how long ago, but (laughs) (laughs) it was quite a long time ago, but I've actually stayed with the same firm through several iterations, mergers, acquisitions, and name changes, but it's been um, 35 plus years, so quite a long time. That's a testament to the strength of the firm, so congratulations. Thank you. And I'm also so intrigued that you found this passion back in high school. I'm always so intrigued when women tell me about their career starting at such a young age since my daughter's about to enter high school. So so let's go to the list of eight rather that I have about how to be more effective in taxes. And just really quickly, 
Uh, we're going to talk about deductions, credits, how to defer taxes, asset location, tax loss harvesting. We're going to talk about different types of buckets uh, that you can look at to invest in. I put parentheses around that if you're listening. And then finally, we'll talk about some tax exempt investments. And Julie and I spoke about this. We want to keep this very broad. We realize this is a very dense conversation and we're going to mention this again at the end, but we're always welcome. You know, we're always welcome to questions uh, if if you need to go deeper into any of these areas. Is that fair to say, Julie? That is very fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's first dive into deductions. And I and I, I'm pretty sure anyone that files their own taxes is familiar with with some of these, but I think it's important to um, be up to date on how these work. And so if you can walk through that, that'd be great. Sure, sure. So each year on your tax return, you can take the larger of the standard deduction, which is a set amount, and it's based on your filing status and your age, or you can take the itemized deduction if that's larger. So there's several components of itemized deductions. I'll just cover a, a high level, just a few. Sure. Um, so the first I'll talk about is qualified medical expenses that exceed seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income, but that's not a very common deduction because most people don't have that much medical. Sure. Um, the state and local income tax is the next item. Mm -hmm. And that would be, you know, state income tax, uh, real estate taxes, personal property taxes. Um, they're now one. limiting that to $10,000. Yes. And, so, and that was a big change a handful of years ago, correct? That's correct. And since then, a, a lot of people have just been able to take the standard deduction because they can no longer itemize since their itemized deductions aren't more than the standard. Right. So, and I know there's a lot of conversation about that changing going forward, but needless to say, right now it's limited to 10000 That's correct. Yeah. And the next item is mortgage interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, that deduction uh, changed a little bit in 2017 with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. It changed mortgage limitation, mortgage balance. After 12, 15, 17, it's limited to $750,000. It used to be a million, but some of those mortgages prior to that time are grandfathered. So you can still use the million dollar balance. So the mortgage interest is is can be a big number and we 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 live yeah. in a very expensive state we do we do <laughs> very expensive homes and julie i get this question a lot but does what if what if you own a second home what's the impact there yeah so you can take a first home and a second home uh, but you have to look at the mortgage balance right so you have to do a calculation to see you know how much the mortgage balances are Right. And if it's limited, okay, based on the balances, okay. Nope, that's great. That's great. So you 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 mentioned this, but I think it's important because of some of these changes in the tax law. More recently, there are more individuals that are using the standard deduction that had possibly used the itemized in the past. Correct. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's important to know these considerations when you're filing. That's correct. And a lot of my clients, they seem upset if they can't itemize. And I say, you know, it's really a gift because if you if you ever get audited, there's nothing to show. You are entitled to that standard deduction. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, thank you for that. So the second one are the credits, which are different than deductions. 
Yes, the credits are dollar for dollar tax credit. I'll say it's calculated or it's it's deducted off your tax. So you calculate your tax and then you deduct your credit. So you're getting a dollar for dollar benefit. Right. Whereas deductions, you're reducing your income. So you're only benefiting by the amount of whatever your tax rate is. Correct. So definitely credits are better than deductions, but they're but they're both good. Yeah. They're both helpful to have. Yeah, yes. for sure. And the credits have changed too. Yes. So there's a lot of credits actually, and I couldn't possibly talk about all of them today, yeah. but you know, you have the child tax credit, the dependent care credit, the education credits, the clean vehicle credit, the residential energy credit, <laughs> and it goes on and on and on. Foreign tax credit. <laughs> yeah. It, so there's, there's a lot. There's a lot there. And I think I'll stop here and say, I think this is an important topic where if someone is working with you that knows your situation, your family situation, they can help align the credits in the proper way that you should be thinking about it. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say as well and recommend that you talk to your financial advisor and your CPA because these things are ever changing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what we talk about today could be different tomorrow, for example. So and uh, everybody's situation is different, right? Yes. So yeah. And and thank you for saying that the situation can change tomorrow. My compliance officer will be very happy to hear that you <laughs> that we address that at the front of the of the of the podcast. So okay, so we have the deductions and the credits when we're filing our taxes. What about deferring taxes with our retirement contributions? Yeah. So if you have a retirement plan, I I like to say pay yourself first, right? Yes. And I also like to say set it and forget it, meaning set it up through a payroll deduction, if at all possible, mm -hmm. uh, pay yourself first, and you won't even have to think about it. You're just saving for tomorrow, and it's automatic. Uh, some common examples of saving are 401k plans, 403b, 457, traditional deductible IRAs, and simple 401ks. Now, keep in mind, there's limits on all of these. Mm -hmm. um, how much you can contribute as well as income limits for the IRAs. And if you're over, if you're over, well, if you're 50 or over, you actually get an additional, they call it a catch-up contribution. So for example, a 401k, you can contribute 22.5 today yes. <laughs> plus a $7,500 catch-up. That's $30,000 that you can put away yes. for tomorrow. Yeah. And um, an, a traditional IRA is sixty five hundred plus a thousand catch up, so it's seventy five hundred. Great. And there are so many visuals in our industry that try to help individuals understand that if you put money into a retirement plan like an IRA or a four hundred one k versus just putting money in the same investment in a taxable account, how much more money you can grow over time because it's growing tax deferred, right? You're That's, not paying money on that, on those taxes each and every year. And it's so it, it's more of a snowball. It's a larger snowball effect than had it been in a taxable account. Right. It accumulates uh, much quicker because you're not depleting it with the taxes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love the fact that you said pay yourself first because, you know, you and I have addressed this, but we know a lot of women entrepreneurs, business owners that are so heavily focused on their business that they sometimes forget to take care of themselves mm -hmm. and, and the retirement piece is a big part of it. So, so yeah. that's a good one. 
Thank you. So we we talked about deferring taxes. Uh, one that doesn't come up as often, but I think it's it's incredibly important is is asset location. And and what I mean by that is, as investors, we talk a lot about asset allocation, right? Asset allocation is what you own in stocks and bonds, um, in cash, international. But this is talking about the buckets. So I, I just mentioned uh, when we were talking about deferring taxes, we were talking about a retirement accounts versus taxable accounts. That's what asset location is. Can you can you talk a little bit about that effect of the taxable versus tax deferred? Yes, yes. So. So the asset location is is basically three buckets, as you mentioned, and um, I came up with a little uh, term terminology that helps me remember. It's tax me now, tax me later, or tax me never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The taxable is you're paying tax now. It's your brokerage account. It's your checking account. It's your savings account. The tax deferred or pay tax later is going to be your retirement accounts, your 401k, your traditional IRA. Mm -hmm. The tax exempt category, which is not taxable, yeah, maybe, and I say maybe because there you have to meet certain requirements and rules, but it, it may be a Roth IRA yeah. or a Roth 401k and certain tax exempt investments. I think the, the overall goal is to use more tax efficient investments in a taxable account and less tax efficient investments in your tax deferred account. Absolutely. Yeah. And and maybe an example I can give on that is, is if you have an investment that is paying out uh, a lot of capital gains and dividends, right? You may prefer to have that in your retirement account right. where you're not paying those taxes and maybe have a different type of investment uh, that tends to be um, that tends to be a little bit more efficient, and sometimes people will generalize that talking about mutual funds versus ETFs, which stand mm -hmm. for exchange traded funds that that tend to be a little bit more um, efficient and not pay out as many capital gains. But I think that having a thoughtfulness around what investments are going into these different buckets is something that can be incredibly powerful over the long term in investing. Okay. Good point. Thank you for saying that. And and this falls in line, but it's it's I'm going to I'm going to segue and talk about these different buckets. There are buckets that have been created now over time that can be efficient when we're talking specifically to education and gifting and medical. Can you can you quickly address those? Yeah, so you have the 529 plan mm -hmm. which um is tax deferred growth for the contributions, both federal and state. And there's no tax paid on the growth of the account when the withdrawals are used for qualified purchases. So, uh, and some states have a state tax deduction. Yes, correct. Yeah, okay. which is fantastic, including our own in yes, Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah. Um, and HSA is another vehicle that you can use. Contributions are tax deductible. And they're pre-tax if they're made through a payroll deduction, mm -hmm. which lowers your overall taxable income. And the interest grows tax-free and withdrawals are tax-free if they're used for eligible medical expenses. So there's there's yeah. you know rules that you have to meet sure. on these things. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of us are gonna have to pay medical expenses at some point in our life. I think so. So it's it's like the 529. You can put money in and you can invest it and let it grow 
And then when you take it out for medical purposes, you don't have to pay taxes. So um, I think, Julie, correct me if I'm wrong, I, the 520, um, sorry, not the 529, the HSA is the only triple tax free bucket that I'm aware of, where to your point, if you take it out from your payroll, it's tax deducted, it grows tax deferred, and then no taxes um, on the way out. So that's correct. I'm not sure if it's the only vehicle, but yes, what you're saying. Yeah. It's pretty darn close then. (laughs) (laughs) I would think so. (laughs) There's not many things that are that good. (laughs) I mean, if you're not going to get taxed on it, yeah. And you can let it, I think these are examples of some incredibly powerful ways that you can utilize your, your assets. Um, And the HSA isn't always thought of that way. People think of it almost like an extended FSA where you, you, it's like use it or lose it. And that's not the case with an HSA. Right. And then the last one was the, um, on the charitable side is the donor advised fund, correct? Yes. Yes. So donations made to a donor advised fund are eligible for a tax deduction. And it's similar to giving to a public charity, but you can give cash. Um, You can also give long-term appreciated securities and you get a deduction at the full fair market value of the security, which is a big benefit because if you have an appreciated stock and you don't need the money and you want to give to to charity, it's a good way to do it because you're getting a good deduction as long as you can itemize, right? Right. As long as you can itemize your deductions and you're not using the standard. That's a good point. Thank you. But I do love the fact that, you know, maybe instead of writing just a check, if you have that appreciated stock, mutual fund, whatever it is that you don't want to pay taxes on, why not donate that and you don't never have to pay the taxes and you you get to give to your charity of choice. So, right. Or you can put it in the donor advised fund and just like the HSA and the 529, you don't have to donate it right away. You can allow it to grow and then hopefully donate more later over time. So this is true. Yeah. So, so thank you. So yeah, I I think there's some interesting, I, again, I like to use the word buckets and ways that you can be a little bit more efficient outside of just Mm -hmm. the retirement accounts. So those are important considerations. And then speaking of more the retirees, and I know that this has changed another law that's changed recently. Can you talk about required minimum distributions? This is important for anyone that has an IRA. Yeah. So We have quite a few clients who use this technique because it is so good. So I want to make sure everybody knows about it. It's um, the qualified charitable distribution. And if you are required to take a minimum distribution from your IRA and you don't need that money and you're going to donate to charity anyways, you might as well do it through a qualified charitable distribution because you don't have to pay tax on that money. So the IRA money you get Actually, you don't get it. It goes directly to the charity and you don't have to pay tax on it. You don't also get a deduction on your Schedule A itemized deductions, but you're not paying tax on the money, which is even better. Yes. That's even better. But I always like to say, check with your financial advisor, check with your CPA regarding these qualified charitable distributions to make sure it's a good fit for you. There's limits. Yes. And, you know, everybody has different situations. So you have to see if it works for you. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, Just had a conversation this morning with a client who was planning for her required distributions for this year. She had three places that she wanted to donate to. So um, we're taking care of it as we speak. So I think this is for anyone that's charitably inclined. I think this is near and dear to their heart. So 
Yeah, it's a very, very good tool to use. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And then, and then the last one really quickly is probably falls more on the, on the financial advisor, but kind of going back to the taxable accounts, right? Not your, not your retirement accounts, but um, again, every investment is going to tax you in a different way. And, and so there are some investments that allow you to receive income tax free. So I'm thinking of municipal bonds, where if you buy municipal bonds, your interest is tax free on a federal level and possibly on a state and local level, depending on where you reside, correct? Yes. 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 Um, And I think that can be incredibly powerful, especially in when you're in those higher tax brackets, that income becomes even higher than what we might quote to you. We might say, okay, you're getting a 4% income, but depending on on your tax bracket, your 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 after tax, excuse me, your why do I always get that? I always get that confused. Let you're me actually back. saving a lot more. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're earning more. You're earning more because you're saving, right? You're earning a lot more, right? And so that's important. There's a list of them, but you can also think of treasury bonds. Mm-hmm. We as financial advisors weren't talking about treasury bonds for years because there was no income. But now, after having all of these interest rate hikes over the last year and a half or so. Treasury bonds are actually paying something very attractive. And, you know, and there's a there's a consideration on a on a state and local level of that income uh, being tax free as well. So I think that these are some important considerations for investors. And again, I think it's all about you want to diversify, right? But you want to diversify your buckets, uh, Hmm. retirement accounts, some of these specialty accounts. You want to make sure that you have the most efficient investments in these different buckets. Uh, you want to be thoughtful about how you're um, looking at your your tax return, whether you're itemizing it or standard, considering the credits. There are so many moving parts, but I think that uh, in this day and age where we're all complaining about taxes doing nothing but going higher and higher, it would be very prudent to take ownership uh, and make sure that you have an understanding or that you're partnering with someone that has an understanding of making that more efficient over time. Right. That's what I was going to recommend is partnering with the right people to help you because there there's a lot and it's it's even hard to remember all the rules, you know, because they change yes. so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also important that if you're working with different professionals, maybe one's a financial advisor and one's an accountant. Julie, you and I have had this conversation all the time. We I know our firms talk to each other for clients that we do work with together. You know, we're constantly calling accountants and asking about different ways to create opportunities going forward. I think that's an important dialogue that should be had. Yes. Yeah. Julie, I did neglect one, which I think is incredibly important, which is the tax loss harvesting. So before we end this conversation, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that one as well. Yeah. So tax loss harvesting, as as you well know, <laughs> as a financial advisor, is a strategy where you, you know, you sell certain investments at a loss um, to reduce your tax liability uh, at the end of the year that you're going to owe. You know, you can do this harvesting any time of the year, but typically uh, when we work with our clients, we'll do a tax plan projection and we'll work with the financial advisor. We'll get projected income, gains and losses for the year and see if there's any uh, losses that can be harvested if there's going to be gains recognized. So um, 
So that is a good tool to use for sure. And even though you might not be able to take all of the loss, you can take up to $3,000 in excess of any gains and you can carry forward the balance unlimited. So there's no time period. So it really works works well. Uh, I do want to say watch out for the wash sale rule. And if you have a financial advisor, they'll do that for you because <laughs> there's a 30-day window, which I'm sure Jelena can talk more about, yeah. where you can't take a loss if you yeah, buy it I, back. Exactly. And I think I realized that I skipped the tax loss harvesting when I talked about the importance of the accountants and the financial advisors talking, because that is a huge piece of our conversation with accountants is calling and saying, do we have any, do we have any losses from last year that we can utilize for this year? Right. Right. You as the accountant are inevitably going to know that final number. Uh, And that's incredibly important. And I I think it's also important um, a year like last year in 2022, when everything was down, right? Stocks were down, bonds were down, and there was a lot of frustration that is a year where advisors and, for example, what we do at our firm, we were very busy trying to take some of these losses and take advantage of those so that we have them to utilize in, in future years. And sometimes it's hard for a client or an investor to see that opportunity. But, but you know, the example that we would try to say is we're going to sell out of this mutual fund, for example, that's down 10%. But we're going to go, we're going to keep you in the market and we're going to go and buy this mutual fund that does something similar. You're still in the market. You'll receive the recovery, but we have now a loss that we can utilize in your portfolio to Mm -hmm. offset that future gain that you're going to eventually get. Right. Right. Is that a fair way to say it? (laughs) It's very, yes. (laughs) But to your point, to your point, you have to be careful about the investments that you're going back into and how you're going back into once you take that loss. Right. Yeah. So very important one. I am embarrassed that I left it out, but I'm glad we hit it before the end. So hopefully we weren't too detail oriented. And Julie, thank you for helping me walk through these because it's it's always important to get the perspective from your end. And I don't know if there's anything that you want to add from you know, based on what we talked about and what your experience has been with clients uh, with these conversations before we go. Yeah, no, I think I've I've expanded on on many conversations that I have had with clients. I mean, it, it is a uh, a year end, and actually, even during the year, we're doing tax planning for clients who want it. So, and we're working with financial advisors. So it's it's a work in process all year. That it's way, a- you know how you're doing, and there's no surprises. Yes. And it's certainly not a set it and forget it situation. No, that's not. (laughs) And and Julie, if anyone does have any questions, if they want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So you can go to our website, Simeon, Maca, and Laro. You you spell that? uh, Yes. It's S-I-M-I-O-N-E-M-A-C-C-A and Laro, L-A-R-R-O-W. Okay. Great. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. I really appreciate it. Um, I know you. that again, this is you know not the most entertaining of topics, but I, I do believe it is one of the more important ones when it comes to our uh, financial awareness. So, yes, uh, your insight is is valuable. Thank you. Thank you. Please see the disclosures in the description of the podcast. This is not investment advice and should not be construed as such. Thank you for listening to Women on Wealth by Women for Women. 
stay up to date by subscribing to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, please visit www.julinaogilvie.com or join us on Facebook and LinkedIn.